ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring it all together. Because this is the bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Good morning. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us here on this Sunday morning. We really appreciate it. Miss Judy, I'm glad you're up this morning. Please take your meds or I will block your television from all Chrisley Knows Best reruns. 859-381-1313 is the number to call. If you'd like to join in on the conversation today, you can email the show, bottomlinelex at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, yet another cavalcade of stars will join us as Brian Howard from Stable Duel will return to give us his Keeneland picks for today. And we're going to try to rib him a little bit to get us some game strategy, game theory on how to win over there at Stable Duel. And then our old friend, Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky State Fantasy Football Championships, will join us to talk NFL draft, some draft props out in the desert, and how all this might affect fantasy football drafts coming up this summer. Of course, we're going to try to cash some tickets on this draft. And of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, brought to you by Jake's Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing Sports Talk Radio Show. But first, Bobby Bowden. You remember Bobby Bowden, the old Florida State coach. It's hard to believe this guy is now 91 years old. And he hasn't coached since 2009. Doesn't seem like he's been gone that long, but he's been gone for 12 years now from the coaching profession. He won two national championships but always seemed like he was cursed because he should have won more. He always had great teams that just came up short, usually when they would lose to Miami in some kind of kicking disaster. But from 1987 to 2000, 14 seasons, Florida State never lost more than two games in a season. In fact, they finished all 14 of those seasons, ranked in the top five of the final AP poll. Of course, that was back in the prehistoric days, before the college football playoff. We used Morse code and carrier pigeons back then, you know, stuff like that. But he knew it was time to retire in 2009 for two reasons. In three of his last four seasons at Florida State, Bobby Bowden's teams lost six games, which means the fan base was calling him old and outdated, and the game has passed him by. You know, all the junk the delusional fan bases say when a coach gets older and loses more than he has before. You know, I wouldn't know any fan base around here in Lexington that would be that way. (laughs) Not at all. But the second reason that Bowden uh, stopped coaching back in 2009 is because he started missing practices because it would be interrupting his afternoon naps. So, yeah, it's time to move on when your naps get in the way of practice. Yeah, that's a tough life right there. So we can't be interrupting those naps. But Bobby Bowden won't be remembered for his coaching abilities, unless you count recruiting as being a coaching ability, which it is, especially these days. Just ask Mark Stoops. But Bobby Bowden will be remembered for his personality. And if you just listened to him talk, you'd understand. Because if you listen to the man talk, you wouldn't think 
that he was a smart guy. You wouldn't think that he was a great football coach. But he was a great recruiter. But his uses of the English language is what is more legendary for us. He used words like dadgummit and dagnabbit all the time in place of curse words. Do you hear anybody using those words today unless they're joking? Probably not, but he was dead serious when he said dagnabbit. But the one word he used that always rang through my head, and to this day, I still use it when I'm making fun of people who are talking about it, is the word schedule. So if this team had gotten the short end of the stick because they played a bunch of really good teams, Bobby Bowden would cry to the media and say his team, dead gummit, had played a tough schedule. So while the rest of us say schedule, Bobby Bowden would say schedule. I can hear him saying it today. You can find it all over YouTube, I'm sure. Because that's totally how he thought you were supposed to say it. We played a tough schedule. Equate that to the current edition of the 2021 Cincinnati Reds. After a 3-2 win yesterday, the Reds are now sitting at a Dolly Parton-like 9-5, 9-5 on the season. 7-1 at home, as we detailed yesterday. There's no place like home for the Reds this year. Just ask, ask Pig Floyd. And they have another game against Cleveland today. They're not favored to win that one. So times are good in Cincinnati for the first time in a while. Even last year with their quote-unquote playoff run, using that term very loosely due to the COVID, it didn't really feel like a playoff run last year. It just wasn't the same. But this year just feels just a little different. And it seems like the fans are a little more excited, especially after this good start. Last year, it just seemed like no matter what the Reds tried, it all ended up badly. Bringing in all these new players, trying to go to the limits, spending money as much as they could. No fans at games. Everybody worried about COVID. Nick Senzel being escorted off the field in the middle of a game because he got tested positive for the COVID. The Reds were underachieving. David Bell, for some reason, made Joey Votto a leadoff hitter for a few weeks. The whole Tom Brenneman thing, it was just a bad time. But now, it's all good. But is it real, or is it just a mirage due to that tough schedule? Let's look at the five teams the Reds have played so far this season. St. Louis, they're 7-7 seven and seven on the year. Pittsburgh, they're a nice 6-9 and nine on the year. Arizona, they're 5-10. and ten. San Francisco, the only winning team that the Reds have played this season, they're 8-6. And the Cleveland Indians, they're playing today, 7-7. Seven and seven. So the five teams that the Reds have played so far this year, only one of them has a winning record. And San Francisco is only 8-6. and six. Not exactly the 1927 Yankees. So based on winning percentage, the Reds have played the 28th easiest schedule in Major League Baseball this year. Only two teams have been easier, the Cubs and the Padres. And the good news for the Reds is they will add some more easy teams to that schedule after Cleveland leaves town as the Diamondbacks come into town Tuesday night to begin a three-game series. But depending on how you look at it, 
this is either good news or bad news for the Reds. Glass half full, glass half empty. Yes, Arizona's 5-10 and 10 on the season. So it looks like another easy opponent, right? Well, Arizona beat the Reds 2 out of 3 last weekend out in the desert. But starting next Friday, the Reds have another six-game road trip that might end up just like the last one ended at 2-4. and four. In fact, they might be lucky if they end up 2-4 and four in the next road trip. Starting next Friday, the Reds will play three in St. Louis. And then starting next Monday, they'll play three in L.A. against the Dodgers. Oh, by the way, the Dodgers are not only the defending World Series champs, but they currently sit with a 13-2 and record so far this season. So in a couple of weeks, we'll know a lot more about this team based on the schedule getting a little bit tougher. But despite their early season success, there are still some areas of concern for this Reds team, even despite the easy schedule. Sonny Gray made his first start yesterday and lasted four and a third inning before having to be pulled. Gray and Luis Castillo were dependent on as aces this year before the year started. Gray's been injured, and Castillo has an ERA of over seven. And the guys hitting three and four in the Reds lineup, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, they've not been what they've been in the past. Joey Votto hitting 232, and that's after getting three hits yesterday. And Suarez, suffering through his second consecutive down year, is hitting 188 with 20 strikeouts. And I'm not sure how much longer they can live with Nick Senzel playing every day before we can finally call this guy a bust. Remember Senzel, the second overall draft pick five years ago. The numbers say it just isn't going to happen for this guy. But perhaps the most disturbing thing right now about this team is the bullpen situation. And I know my good friend Alan Stein, who I know listens every day, and he tells me about it. He loves Amir Garrett. And I get it. He looks great coming to that bullpen, doing his little jump shot. He can throw a fastball. He's allegedly your closer right now. But yesterday, he came into the game in the eighth inning of a tie game. He allowed two hits. And that third batter hit into a triple play. There you go. That's how you get out of a jam. Just get let two guys get on base. We're going to get a triple play. Yeah, you can count on that every day, I'm sure. Even with that miracle triple play, Garrett's ERA is still 11.75, and his whip is 2.75. That's even worse. So every inning, Amir Garrett is allowing 2.75 base runners. That's almost three base runners every inning he pitches. Is that what you want from your closer? Because you'll lose a lot of games if your closer is allowing almost three base runners every inning. Lucas Sims, Sean Doolittle both with an ERA plus of over 140. That's good. Garrett's is 43. That's not good. Sims and Doolittle, they will get save chances this season. In fact, at this moment, I'd put my money on Sims leading this team in saves when the season's over. He already has one. Garrett has two. But let's just face it. Amir Garrett is 29 years old. He has three career saves, including the two he has this year. And he has a career ERA of 5.01. So it's not like he's proven this 
in the past. You're asking him to do things now that he's never done before at the age of 29. And in baseball, as a pitcher, a relief pitcher is 29, not exactly a spring chicken. But here's one guy that they won't be choosing from in their bullpen going forward. To make room for Sonny Gray yesterday, coming off the injured list, the Reds had to drop a player. That player's name was Cam Bedrosian. Hmm, the former Angels pitcher. He had allowed five runs and two and a third this year. Where have I heard that name, Bedrosian, before? Yeah, he's the son of the former Cy Young winner from the 80s who pitched for several teams over 14 seasons. But I'll always remember his old man from the RBI baseball game on Nintendo giving him way too much credit on that sidearm fastball, the most unhittable relief pitcher this side of Dennis Eckersley. I'm still bitter, but I digress. But let's get back to the real world. Today at 1240, right here on ESPN Radio, the Reds and Cleveland will finish off their three-game series. Cleveland, a minus-160 favorite in this one. Wait a minute. Cleveland, a minus-160 favorite. How is that happening? The Reds won the first two games. How are they such a big underdog today? Two words, Shane Bieber. Before you go inserting your Justin Bieber jokes here, Shane Bieber is a monster. He won the Cy Young Award last season in the American League. COVID asterisk, of course, but he went 8-1 with an ERA of 1.63. Led the league in strikeouts and ERA+. plus. So he was an even better pitcher last season than your own Trevor Bauer there in Cincinnati. And we all know how well he pitched for the Reds last year. And this year, Bieber, up to his old tricks. Nothing has changed. He's only 1-1 one one with a record, but his ERA, 2.11, 35 strikeouts in 21 innings, and an ERA plus of 206. He makes money in the desert, too. It is 67 career starts. Cleveland is 46-21 and 21 in those starts. That's 68.7%. And if you put $1 on Shane Bieber... Every time he started, you'd be up $8.75 right now. Return on investment, 13.1%. That's crazy good. Does it change in his road starts? Yeah, he gets better on the road. Shane Bieber has started 36 road games for Cleveland. In those games, Cleveland is 25-11 and 11 in the games that he started. 69.4%. That's an 18.2%. Return on investment. And when he's favored, Bieber brings home the money too because he's favored today. Cleveland is 40-19 and 19 in games that Bieber's pitched that he's favored. So any way you cut it, Bieber is not only one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he gets the job done out in the desert, and he also gets that respect out in the desert, especially with that minus 160 line. Wade Miley goes for the Reds today. 2-0 with an ERA of zero. How can you go against that? That's a big improvement from last year when he went 0-3 with a 5.65 ERA. At age 34, can Wade Miley, who's been an above-average pitcher in only four of his 11 seasons, can you count on that today to cash your ticket out in the desert? Today's a very tough handicap. Cincinnati 7-1 at home, but Cleveland a big favorite because they have one of the best starting pitchers in the game starting for them today, but minus 160, a huge number to lay on the road against a team like the Reds. I think there's a little bit of value in the Reds today, but they need to keep Miley in as long as they can and keep it close until they could potentially get Bieber out of the game and get to their bullpen 
But don't squash the headline here. The Reds are leading the National League Central. We just went over a lot of reasons why maybe they are getting being a little benefited by that easy schedule. And after what's happened in the last few years, the Reds should be happy with being in first place, even if it is only April the 18th. But Reds fans need to see things for what they are. The Reds haven't faced the murderer's row of competition. And as Bobby Bowden taught us over the years, let's see the Reds react when they play a tougher schedule in the weeks to come. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. People ask me why we don't talk about the NBA more on this show. And that's fair. Yeah, we live in a college sports market. Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball, the Reds. Those are the local teams. We don't really have an NBA team. The closest one is the Pacers, Indiana, I guess. But the biggest reason the NBA, we don't talk about it a ton on this show in the regular season is because it's tough watch. It's tough to keep up. In this new COVID area, and especially the load management era, you really have to follow things really closely. And it's really hard to handicap NBA games for months in this new NBA world. Heck, guys like Kyrie Irving, they just decide on their own when they want to play or not. So what's to say, well, I didn't make, I don't feel like playing. I'm just not going to get on the team plane. So the NBA regular season is tough to handicap day in and day out. But the NBA playoffs, a much different story and a different animal altogether. We love the NBA playoffs here in the bottom line. We'll be talking about them ad nauseum when the time comes. But for now, we mentioned a few games here and there. Like last night, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum put on a show on national TV. Jason Tatum, can you believe how the the Celtics fleeced the Sixers for him in the 2017 draft? Your arch rival, if you're the Sixers, your arch rival, the Celtics, they's like, hey, let's just trade. Uh, I'll trade you the uh, third pick for the first pick and uh, a bag of Magic Beats so you can have Markel Fultz. And the Sixers like, huh, okay, thanks for giving us the freebie. You don't think that was like a red flag? Here's a tip. If a division rival offers you a deal you can't refuse, there's a reason why they're offering you a tip they can't refuse. Yeah. Tatum's now a star. Markel Fultz was traded for another bag of magic beads just to get him out of town. Sometimes you'd have to use common sense. But the NBA playoffs right now, they'll be here soon. And we're looking forward to them. The Nets are favored to win the championship, plus 220. Lakers second, plus 350. I think people are sleeping on the Clippers, even if they do have to deal with the whole Paul George playoff thing. Clippers sitting at 7-1. to I wouldn't overlook them. But we'll be all over the NBA playoffs this year once they start next month. Uh, then we can cash that Washington Wizards under 33.5 wins ticket that we talked about on this show before the season started. And our good friend Vince Stover looked at us and said, why did you do that? Well, we're doing all right right now with that one. Right now it's time for our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. What's better way to celebrate cashing a ticket out in the desert than by relaxing and lighting up a victory cigar at Jake's Cigar Bar down at Brandon Crossing? And as they say it, Jakes, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us. That's the bottom line. Cross the line at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. Favorites yesterday in Major League Baseball, 9-6. and six. One game closes the pick. Upsets by the Cubs, Cardinals, Rockies, Rays, Orioles, and Royals. Favorites now sitting on the year, 105 and 100 straight up this year. 51%. So if you're favored in a game, 
you only win 51% in Major League Baseball so far this season. Yeah, that's something that you need to look out for, especially if you're an underdog player like us. It's it's the best of times right now if you're an underdog player like us. There's three games we're looking at today. Cardinals and Phillies. Now, here you go. You talk about taking underdogs. If you're a chalk pusher, if you like taking these favorites, the Phillies are the team to, for you to take today. Both these teams at 7-7, seven seven, but a huge pitching advantage. John Gann for the Cardinals. Aaron Nola, an ace, going for the Phillies. This line opened with a one, minus 170 for the Phillies. It's already up to minus 180. And uh, teams with steam of 10 cents or more in non-division games, that's what this one is, 57% so far this year. Uh, the Phillies have also, have, they're a big favorite with a low total. That's when you like to take these favorites. Total open eight, now down to seven and a half based on the fact that Nola is an ace. The Phillies, if you like to push the chalk, we're not a big fan of that. They're the big favorite that we would take today. Another game we like today, Arizona and Washington. Arizona 5-10, and 10, Nationals 5-7, and seven, two bad teams. In the fourth game of the series, but all the the Nationals have won both their games as favorites the last two days. But this is Madison Bumgarner. You remember him? He was a World Series hero in 2014. That was a long time ago. Now he's not very good, and everybody's fading Madison Bumgarner. 0-2, 11.20 ERA, and of course for the Nationals, Steven Strasburg. You've heard of him too. But he's not exactly good this year either. 6.30 ERA. Washington, a minus 200 home favorite. That's a lot. Madison Bumgarner has been terrible this year. And he's been awful, basically, for the last few years since he had his little accident a couple years back. But this is just too much money. We'll take the Diamondbacks, even as bad as Bumgarner's been. We'll take the Diamondbacks today, getting a huge number, almost 200 out in the desert. So you give me Bumgarner and plus 180 or more, we'll take it. We'll take the Diamondbacks at great value today. And your stinker game of the day, Orioles and Rangers, two losing teams. The Orioles have taken the first two games of this series, both of them as underdogs. And now they have their ace, John Means. He's going today with a 2.16 ERA. The Rangers trotting out 4.05. Conventional wisdom. We hate those in this uh, this world. The gambler's, gambler's fallacy, as they say say that the Rangers won't get swept at home, so they'll win this one today, the gentleman's sweep type thing. Nuh-uh. Give us the Orioles. You're going to give us the Orioles and their ace is a dog? I don't care if they are on the road. The Rangers aren't a very good team. Orioles aren't great, but they're better than the Rangers. We'll take the ace on the road. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a chalk pusher and like the favorites, take the Phillies over the Cardinals today. And two dogs we like. We like Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks over the Nationals at a huge number. And give us John Means and the Orioles down in Texas. Over the Rangers, those are your Mac Daddy Stogie picks, and you can take those bad boys to the desert. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to our good friend Brian Howard from Stable Duel, and he'll tell us who to pick at Keeneland today. That's all coming up here on The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. Stable Duel is a locally owned business here in Lexington, and the Stable Duel app is up and running. There are daily games and big cash prizes. It's easy to use, even if you're new to horse racing. Between the spring meet at Keeneland and the Triple Crown races, there's no better time to get in on the action at Stable Duel. So go download the Stable Duel app now and start playing right out of the gate. Low buy-ins, big payouts, and play against your buddies for true racing domination. So download the app today or check them out online, StableDuel.com. ESPN Radio, 1392.5, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And speaking of handicapping, 
We've got our good friend Brian Howard from Stable Duel on the air on the line with us right now. Brian, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Brad. It's a wonderful morning. I'm ready to go crush this Keeneland card today. Amen. That's the kind of confidence we like to hear, especially after you gave us the humongous one to get away from yesterday, a 50-to-1 shot. That was a brilliant, brilliant call by you. Uh, how did the uh, little go out outing go yesterday with the uh, professional wrestlers? Did uh... Oh, <laughs> it was great. We had a good crowd out there, a lot of people huddled around the TV cheering on their horses, and... Uh... You know, the weather wasn't fully cooperative, but it was uh, good enough for us. There was no Dirty Dutch Mantel sighting, I assume, or uh, Superstar Bill Dundee. No? None of those guys there? But but, but there was a chair shot or two delivered. That's, so. that's exactly <laughs> what we like to hear. I'm, I'm sorry I missed it now. I would have paid big money to see that one. Okay, you guys yesterday, Keelan, we were talking before, uh, you and I were talking before we went on here, about game theory, because here at Stable Duel, you know, you guys have the daily fantasy sports kind of approach of uh, picking horses and making money off the races here game theory now when you're looking at some of these races today is there any kind of tips you could give us maybe not as far as like who to pick and what race but like game theory how to get like taking advantage of what the game gives us yeah absolutely so you know again we're very similar to daily fantasy football or baseball or any any sport like that um however one area we differ and, you know, I really wanted to tell you about this today because there's a perfect opportunity to take care of it. But we, you know, horses scratch throughout the card. And I've noticed over time that some of our players have a strategy to basically save money for favorites by picking long shots that are going to scratch because they're on the also eligible or a main track only type situation. Um, and, and those horses will scratch. It'll cost them a couple hundred bucks to add them to their stable. Those horses will scratch, and instead of running the risk of getting negative points with a long shot somewhere else in the card, they just take the zero and move on and play more favorites throughout the card. See, that's a good tip. Taking what the game gives you. Anytime you're in these big contests, if the game, the rules of the game give you something like that, you got to take advantage of it. You just, you know, like me, when I see a horse scratch, I'm like, oh, I got to replace it. But Brian Howard of Stable Duel is telling us, hey, if you've got good odds on it, high odds on it, yeah, just let it sit there, take your zero, and use that money someplace else. That's a very good strategy. See, now, why did you tell me this before we got started? And I wouldn't be losing to Dead Air Dennis every day. Maybe I'd have a, a little bit of things to say over him. Well, you may not need me to come on the radio every weekend if that was the case. Well, no, I we, save we, a little bit. Yeah, we need some picks. And by the way, speaking of picks, Give us a couple. Give us your best value and chalky pick today at Keelan. Brian Howard of Stable Duel. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to touch on the, the scratch as well once we're done. So let's start off with a value play in the seventh race. This is a horse I really like. I'm excited. I'm playing the heck out of this horse today. Uh, in the seventh race, the number six, Oak Hill, is a morning line six-to-one shot. It'll cost you the $5,000 for your Stable Duel stable. Um, this horse is second second time out after a three-month layoff the last race it ran if you if you notice in the past performances you'll see he got beat by two other horses in this race however what you won't see in that is how bad of a start that horse had so those horses broke at the fairgrounds and he had to take back and spotted the field 10 to 12 links right out of the gate so in a five and a half furlong on the grass it's tough to make up that ground probably killed any chance he had of winning. The horse made a 
super move up the rail and just missed getting in the money that day. So I'm hoping this horse breaks a little better today. You know, coming out of the six hole, he should be fine. Uh, so, and he'll be coming down the stretch. I mean, he is going to close. He's not going to be on the lead, which is what I want here. And I look for him to come down the center of the track and, and mop him up at a good price today. Okay, there's your value pick. Number six, Oak Hill in the seventh race. What about your chalky favorite pick today? So, so my, my chalky favorite pick, I'm going to give you two horses in the fourth race. Um, it's a four-and-a-half furlong maiden special race for two-year-olds. Two-year-olds are just starting their campaign right now. Wesley Ward has been absolutely eating these races up for years. It hasn't changed this year. I think he's winning at over 30% clip on these horses. It, he's just phenomenal with them. So he actually has two horses in this race. He's got the number four, Golden Bell, who's morning line seven to two, which will cost you 7500 in your stable duel. And the number seven, Overbore, at three to one, which will cost you 8000 I don't want you to lean either way here because either one of these horses can win and the other one's probably going to run second. So you're going to look at a net 100 points in Stable Duel if you play both of them. Yes, it is going to cost you quite a bit of money, but I'm very confident these horses will run up near the front and, and bring you home 100 points. And that's why this scratch comes into play because we're going to use two favorites in, a, in one race. We need to cut... We need to cut money elsewhere. So in the first race today, there's a 10 horse. Um, I don't have the name right in front of me, Brad. <laughs> we talked about it. Hostile Princess is, is the name, yes. There, there you go. Um, he's entered for the main track only. Well, obviously, we haven't had a bunch of rain. That race is going to stay on the grass. That horse will scratch today. It's morning line 15 to 1. It's going to cost you $500, which is very cheap in stable duel. So that horse is going to scratch. You're going to take your zero there. You're going to load up on favorites throughout the card, play that value play, and we're going to win you some money today. Now that's what we like to hear. Confidence and inside information. And that's as good as it gets here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor and Brian Howard of Stable Duel. His tips for the day, the seventh race, take Oak Hill, uh, the number six horse. In the fourth, if you're playing Stable Duel especially, load up on uh, Golden Bell, the four, and the seven overbore. And take, if you're playing Stable Duel, definitely Take that number 10 horse, Hostile Princess, in the first race because he's going to scratch and you'll get a little bit ahead of, uh, ahead of the field. I hope Dead Air Dennis of Classic Rock 92.1 is not listening this morning, so he didn't get that tip, but I'm sure he probably already knows anyway. But still, Brian Howard, we thank you so much for your expert tips today. Hey, let's cash some tickets today, and as always, thank you for joining us, and may the winners be yours, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Anytime. That's Brian Howard of Stable Duel. Coming up after the break, it's our old friend Farrell Elliott. We're going to talk NFL draft and fantasy football right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And our next guest needs no introduction to any fantasy football player in the state of Kentucky. He is the commissioner and grand poobah of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You can find his stuff at kffsc.com, where they offer the title of Kentucky Fantasy Football State Champion. He's our good friend, Farrell Elliott. Mr. Farrell, how are you doing this morning, my friend? 
But it is a wonderful, beautiful morning to talk a little football with the draft. Now, how many days away, Brad? Is I think it, it's uh, 11, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, lucky number 11, man. We yo, can do something. Yo, 11 is someone used to tell me somewhere, you know? Yes, yeah, sir. It's like men. We'll be all right with that. Yeah, men who uh, shake Sinatra's hand and men who have uh, rolled dice at the table. That's uh, those are t- those are kind of the people that you don't cross in this world. But let's look at this NFL draft, especially from a uh, handicapping perspective and a fantasy football perspective. We look at these quarterbacks who are going, especially the first one, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And here in the de- out in the desert, there, he's a minus twenty thousand. I mean, what's the point of putting? <laughs> you know, why even bet against it? Let's look at him maybe from a fantasy perspective or the other quarterbacks. Justin Fields. Would you expect any of these quarterbacks? going in this first round of the draft to be a top 12 quarterback, in other words, a QB1 for fantasy this season? Uh, Lawrence will get there. Uh, Lawrence will definitely get there. People will sleep on Wilson, and perhaps they should not. I really like his footwork and reminiscent of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, People will, um, will scratch their head because I will say that the third uh, quarterback to, to come off the board will be the Jones kid from Alabama. He'll go to the 49ers, and Fields may slip, may slip a while, uh, may even slip as far as uh, may even slip as far as early double digits. So, so those, it, it depends. As you know, it's it's interesting from a fantasy perspective, Brad. I think one of the best uh, wagers is is how many offensive draft picks versus how many defensive draft picks. And initially, we've gone through the entire uh, prep for this draft from 11 days away. I would have I would have put my money on the offensive side of the ball. Now it seems with the emphasis on edge rushers to get after these young quarterbacks and all the other talented quarterbacks in the league that I might be leaning more to the defensive side. And I think that's the biggest, biggest question. But the draft really begins with spot number four when Atlanta comes on the board. So you're right. Those first three quarterbacks are locked in. Trevor Lawrence right now drafted 10, 11, 12 in most of the classic drafts that are taking place at uh, the KFFSC and the FFPC. You know, here in Kentucky, Brad, in our league, uh, we've, we've already drafted over four or 500 teams. And so those good, that's that's good, uh, it's good numbers. That's not my guesswork. That's exactly where Lawrence is going. Good. That's more money when I win in September. I appreciate that in advance. But you talk about the offensive players versus the defensive players. 18 and a half is the number out in the desert. Yes. Total number of offensive players taken in the first round. Are you telling me that you would go under that total? I would tell you that in February, I would say, oh, Brad, we got to go over him right now. I'd tell you, oh, Brad, I don't know. we got to be conservative about this one. There are so many very good skilled position players. The pressure is on the general managers, just like it's on you in fantasy ball. The pressure is on the general managers because they, they're going to have to look at their ownership. You know, at the end of the day, those guys are working guys just like you and me, Brad. they got a boss to report to. They've got to make a case for their decisions. And if I'm setting number 24 at Pittsburgh, if I'm setting number four at Atlanta, um, I don't want to say, well, no, I passed on the best tight end, Kyle Pitts, that that we've seen in decades. No, we all knew Najee Harris might even be a a perennial pro bowl and maybe make his way to the Hall of Fame. But here I am at 24 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and oh, no, I passed on him because I wanted an edge rusher. 
So you, you take an idea. You know, our, our great friend Charlie Cashley, one of the guys that I love following, he passed on a quarterback once to choose an edge rusher. It was the right decision. Still cost him his general manager job down in Houston. So I think we're going to sit there and we're going to say, let's go offense, but let's do it conservatively. Because back in February, I would have told you to take all your money from your Tampa Bay Bucks win, Brad, and put it on put it on offense. I'd, I'd say let's be a little more conservative now. I see you remembering my Tampa Bay win with my big uh bag with the dollar sign on the side of it in my snow game. Yes, I appreciate that very much. Now, you mentioned the quarterbacks earlier. Now, Mm -hmm. we're yeah, Lawrence said that we could chalk him up at two. Are you, at one, are you really convinced that the Jets are definitely taking Wilson at two and the Niners are definitely taking Mac Jones at three because our friends out in the desert now, they have flipped things and now they say Justin Fields is now the favorite at minus 135 to go at number three and you have Fields falling out of the top three a long way. Yeah, I do. And and I I believe that the Jets, uh, with their organization, I think they've scouted that player correctly. I think they're willing to take risks because, you know, they've got they've got some long term contracts there uh in in the coaching uh, on the coaching side and, and they feel that that this is the type of player that they see some things in this player and I and I do too. I, I like if you put his if you put his uh, arm strength release point the way he drives the ball and you compare that to Lawrence Lawrence is the is the pure winner but Wilson plays in a different different way Fields has got a little bit of baggage um, you know NFL people will tell you that a quarterback trading up to to draft a quarterback is a fifty fifty proposition I think it's better than that with these players. And and believe me, I like Fields too. I don't believe you could. Uh, I really don't think you could go wrong. But it's a very good question. The Jets are the only team drafting in the top ten that would take Wilson second. So if they miss him, we might be going through an Aaron Rodgers uh, situation. Be a, be a long night of sitting around for Wilson. ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. The bottom line with Brad Taylor with our good friend Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You mentioned a guy earlier, Kyle Pitts, out mm-hmm. in the desert. They say five and a half over under uh, where he will go in this draft. A lot of juice on that under, so it looks like he's going to go five. Looks like the Fal- the Falcons will be taking him in your drafts. Where is he going in these drafts? I assume he's definitely a tight end one. But where is he going in these drafts? And do you see the Falcons taking him at four, or do you see him falling a little bit? I think they should. Going in the drafts now, he's going four or five. Now, I'll tell everyone that in Kentucky, he's going five, six. I play in the FFPC, which is in Las Vegas, which gives a little extra points to the tight end. What do you like about this player? Everything. And this player separates himself from the tight ends that have been coming out of school in the past years. Doesn't mean we don't have any other good tight ends in this draft, but when you see this player and what you see has happened with how the Raiders have employed Darren Waller, this player looks like a polished Darren Waller five years younger. Uh, he has, um, uh, in Atlanta, what he would bring to that team is the perennial posers that have gone there to play, um, uh, to, to play tight end have disappointed so much. So if Atlanta takes this player, what they're telling you is, hey, we believe we can still win with Matt Ryan, but even if we don't, we have this position locked up. 
for the next 10 years. I think it's a no-brainer, and that's that's an example of a general manager position that I would not wish to explain away. And from a fantasy perspective position, you could sit there and say, well, I could have had him. And so, you know, it's yeah, he's just a fantastic ball player. Stay on tight end, Brad. Let's look quickly. You, you, No one else is talking about any other tight ends. That's a mistake. Uh, the tight end out of Penn State, Pat Fryermuth. If, if Pitts was not in this draft, Fryermuth is referred to as Baby Gronk. And he's basically going undrafted in early fantasy drafts up to 20 rounds. He will be an excellent add. Probably not in the first round, but definitely in the second. He will be an excellent add to a team and a player that once he's drafted, people understand what he brings to his destination in the NFL, then, then they'll be adding him to their drafts pretty early next year. And that's something that adds so much strategy to these preseason uh, drafts uh, in yeah. terms of where you draft him because it so much depends on where they land. I mean, if a, if, mm-hmm. if a Pitts lands, lands with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, you probably got a lot better perspective and you probably have a lot of better potential then if maybe if he lands with you know somebody like Miami down the line or Detroit down the line, you're probably better off with him in Atlanta. So that's another thing you have to kind of factor into all this. But let's look at these receivers. We've got a Heisman Trophy winner, and he's not even projected to go uh, the first receiver overall. The first receiver overall is uh, Jamar Chase, minus 950. It looks like the Bengals and a lot of these mark, mac, mock drafts are going to take him first, uh-huh. basically because of his relationship with the quarterback Joe Burrow. Is he getting drafted early in these uh, fantasy drafts? And what about those two Alabama receivers? How are they going? Where do you see them ending up? Early on, it was Smith, and it made sense. Uh, he had all the buzz early on when the draft started. January, February, early March, it was Smith. It shifted. It is Chase, and he continues to move up the board, going in the fourth round in, in the KFFSC. And it's interesting because we haven't seen him play in a long time because of his decisions regarding the COVID policy. So, but he is quite a ball player. And we've talked about it on the show before, Brad. The University of Kentucky and your listeners are there in Lexington. Uh, and, and Lexington produces some of the best fantasy players that we have that play in the KFFSC. Um, you guys are exposed firsthand and, and in person to these great SEC players. Look at all the players we're talking about. They've created all types of uh, chaos uh, to defensive coaches in the SEC, and it's been just a, a blessing to watch. You you can keep going down that list of wide receivers because you've got it right. These two Alabama guys follow uh, uh, Chase, but uh, Elijah Moore from Mississippi, Kadarius Toney um, uh, from uh, Florida, those players that – they may go later in the draft, but what about the landing spots that they can have? You take Elijah Moore or, or Tony, uh, they could be the last pick of the first round, land at Tampa Bay, and be an instant success um, in, in that situation. So SEC shines brightly in this draft, and it's another draft without the uh, without the benefit of, of the combine in Indianapolis. Uh, general managers aren't going to take risk. So, you know, they might like a small college player. and They might think they've found that proverbial diamond in the rough. But Brad Taylor, we know where the players play uh, in college football that do so well in the NFL, and they play in the SEC. We're going to see an SEC loaded first and second round, I think. Speaking of the SEC, 
We've got a running back situation. And conventional wisdom usually says that if you're going to take rookies in fantasy football, you look at the running back position because there's not as much to learn and you just, you know, just take the ball and run. And that's the conventional wisdom way to look at it. Najee Harris projected to go in the first round. He's the only running back right now projected out in the desert. They say one and a half is the over under for this with a lot of juice on the under. Do you see anybody besides Najee Harris going first round? And where would you kind of slot these running backs in a fantasy draft right now? He is the first round running back, but you know, the guys that line up directly after him um, bring a lot of ability to the teams. But yeah, Harris, it's interesting about Harris. Because you and I sit there and we said, God, look at him. Look at him, Brad. What a player. What what explosiveness. What what balance. What uh, innate football skills to make the right decisions on the field. And then you say, yeah, Farrell, but you know he he's probably the the, the fifth the fifth uh, Alabama player to come off the board in, in the draft. And we would be right. You know, they they got all these other guys to go in front of him. So what I would tell you about Harris is. Let's go back to that Pittsburgh situation, or let's even look at Tampa again, where they all, all the running backs there are on one-year deals. What a great opportunity this player, what a soft landing spot he would have in the league. You know, Pittsburgh has needed a running back like this for years, a guy that can come in and take over. This is the type of running back that you know you're going to have two contracts from in the NFL, uh, and and that's uh, that that should be. That should be enough to, to find him a great place to play in the league. So if he goes uh, into that uh, 20th, 21st pick, I, I think Pittsburgh's at 24, Tampa at the very end of the draft. Those are two places that I would look for him to land, and it would just be a natural continuation of the success that we saw in college ball for him. Real quick on Najee Harris. Let's say Pittsburgh does get him, like you say. Where does he go in the fantasy drafts this summer? Oh, my goodness, he'll end up late in the second round. You think so? Think that early? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's going in the middle of the third right now. So, you know, it's not a, not a long trip to get to the late. There the you second. go. There you go. He's Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell, tell us where we can find you online and where we can get in contact with you if we want to play fantasy football because you're already drafting hundreds of teams right now. Uh, you know, guys, uh, kffsc.com is a good look at the league. Uh, you'll see my phone number over the website, so Brad will let me give it. It's 502-523-5057. Just to be prepped with you, Brad, I went to bed with before Dracula last night, and I, I woke up this morning to three texts wanting to talk football, and two of them were from fantasy players. So, you know, we're, we're doing it all the time. We, our big draft, uh, we, we'll have the pleasure of you in the room is August 27th through August 29th. And I want to let the listeners know, uh, Brad Taylor, much more than a participant in the league, Brad Taylor will be uh, collecting a trophy uh, this year and already collected his check. So another good season, Brad, will be looking forward from you. Well, I appreciate that, Farrell. And I, from uh, personal experience, he's the best in the business when it comes to fantasy football. He uh, that, that contest they have there, as good as it gets. So I cannot recommend them higher. Farrell Elliott in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com. Farrell, let's try to get you back on next week before the draft. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, I'd love to come on. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you then. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. That's Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. Coming up after the break, we will get out of here because we're running a little late right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. 
presented by Stable Duel, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning. We are bad late. But rest of the day on ESPN Radio, 1240 today, Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland from Great America Ballpark. Reds a uh, plus 150 in this game. Indians a minus 160. We went over this earlier in the in the show. Tonight, Sunday night baseball, 6 o'clock. Atlanta Braves and Chicago Cubs. Greg Maddox versus Greg Maddox. Yeah, he pitched for both of them. Can you believe he didn't want to upset either fan base and did not go in? He wouldn't put a logo on his hat in the Hall of Fame. Neither here nor there. Thanks again for joining us here on The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you want to email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.